0: So, next I repeated repeated incantations and intro to slizos? First of all, I kind of feel a little inadequate speaking about slizos. Like, I got to talk about Pesach, I got to talk about matzah. We all eat matzah, we all have do the same matzah. Once we get to this time of year, talking about doing chuva and slizos, so then it's kind of like, okay, I'm in the same boat as all of you. You know, I'm, I'm a professional sinner. So, because of that, I can tell you how to sin. I can, you know, but uh, it's kind of, that's where we're at. Especially the slichos, I have always struggled with, and I assume I'm not alone. They're first of all early in the morning, or now we'll be doing them later at night. But also, it's just the, the Hebrew's Hebrew is different. We may get discuss a little bit why that is. It's a different Hebrew. It's the terminology that we may not be familiar with, and it's just it's it's a lot of I guess newness, and it's almost I guess can I use the word convoluted, right? It's not just the words, but also the themes, the motifs of the slichos. So what I thought to do was to spend a little bit of time tonight discussing what exactly are slichos, not going through the history of them, though that's fascinating in its own right, but I think that's less meaningful, and ask basically, the major question is the, I guess, the point of slichos is the yukim, the 13 attributes of mercy, Hashem HaShem KaRachim which by the way, just to let you know, even that, like everything in Judaism, it's not clear how to break those up what are the 13, but we're not going to get into that either. And kind of try to figure out and give three approaches to why this again, this seemingly incant- incantation that we say over and over again throughout the next number of days. And then think about once we get to Yom Kippur, we kind of picks up speed until we get to the Yilaf with every, literally every three minutes. Hashem Why are we doing that? What's the point of that? I want to give three approaches and through that also explore, again, these three approaches, hopefully, maybe you'll find them meaningful, maybe you'll find one of them meaningful, maybe you'll find some of them meaningful. My hope is that all of us can emerge to something that can help us navigate and appreciate what we're doing because we're doing it either way. And through that, I'll also explore, in general, you know, if time permits, the idea of not just uh, uh, the uklemidos, but also the slicha in general, the, the piyutim. What, what it means to have a piyut, um, etc. Make sense? Any questions so far? I'm not taking them. Okay. Feel free to ask. So, first of all, slicha, where's the, Oh, there we go. I've we got a full catered yeah, event right I here. Water, put you want me. There we go. we got a full catered event. I wrote that in diet. Like, Where is the music?
1: <laughs>
0: no, no, the music? No, thank you. <laughs> huh? I am not of a health. Okay, so. Okay, so number one, the word slicha. Where do you think the word slicha comes from? That's Exactly, forgiveness. Which is interesting, because... That's the same as modern you know, it's yeah. yeah. That is, the Not forgiveness. The, the word forgiveness. What do you say? Not the truth? No. That, that, that's more chuvo. The, uh, the chuvo. At least it more of it. its forgiveness, although we don't really mention any sins necessarily. At least, although we do have the, we do have the uh, veto at the end. Thank you so much. Now, now it's official coming out of there. We always assume when you see a fancy uh, water thing, that must be like real fancy water, you get in a hotel for $8. It came from this sink. I gave away your secret account. Okay. okay. I did, I thought you that, that, that fancy water from one stream in the middle of... Uh, the okay, fine. So, the first the first source, the first source for... That I look at the time variable zuto, which is a midrash. And the midrash says as follows. And this is really, I guess, to lay the groundwork before we get to our main question, which is, again, I already told it to you, of what exactly are these 13 midrash of rock uh, and what are these Ugimli attributes, these 13 attributes, we're saying, and that is that. There's a midrash, a midrash that says as follows. And it says again, source number one. David Yodesh also the Beis Leo's Dovid David knew that one day the Beis HaMigdash would be destroyed, and the karbanos, the sacrifices, would no longer be extant. And as we are familiar with from our own Musab davening. What do we say in the Muslim Davenim? We mention the fact we no longer have karbanos, we don't have sacrifices. Because we don't have sacrifices, we don't have the atonement that sacrifices give us. It's part of the communal sacrifice. Each sacrifice atoned for something else, whether it was the sacrifice of Rosh Chodesh at its own atonement, the only thing that atoned for, or all the Yom Tovim. So Davenim is very concerned. He's like, one minute. If we don't have a communal way of getting penitence, so how are we going to how are we going to uh, achieve this sort of slicha? How are we going to have we be mochel? How how is it going to take care of us? So he says as follows: so What's going to be the kapara? What's going to be the atonement for their sins? In a time that sorrows uh, that tragedy calamity comes to the Jewish people of an because of their sins. Yamdu lefonai yachad. Join together yachad, again the word um, as, as, as one. ba'aguda is joined together a unity. And you should all do vidoi on, 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 on what you've done. You should do some sort of uh, communal form of vidoi. And say some sort of slikha in front of me. Some sort of, again, some sort of. Uh, some sort of formulation of Slicha in front of him. So again, it's, it's interesting. No mention here of this taking place during the month of El. It's at a time when there's tragedy befalls the Jewish people, when there's Sarah, we got together, which we know, by the way. We do that on all the communal fast days. That the idea there is we're trying to mimic this, uh, mimic this concept that when there's tragedy, our response is to turn inwards, do Teshuvah, and as a community, accept upon ourselves to this idea of Slichos. That's what it is. So, why then? How did it come to it now? So, perhaps because maybe this time of year heightens, I guess, gets argued, the existential feeling of calamity that's in our lives. When you know, the Sifre Mesem, the Sifre Chaim, open in front of Hashem, when Hashem is literally judging our lives, no one wants to be judged. Right? No one wants to be judged. No one wants to stand in front of the judge. It's a scary thing. So, we're all feeling this sense of communal uh, uh, scare and worry and angst. And because of that, it's a time of calamity. And that's perhaps why we say Sleeves. That's one idea that's the earliest idea that's found.
1: So isn't it go about Ben adam Haveru, not Ben adam Haveru? Mm, both, mm-hmm. both,
0: you say Slicha's both, both Adam. Can,
1: can you bring Korvanas as atonement for
0: sins made Ben Adama Haveru? No, we'll, 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 discuss, we'll discuss that more on Yom Kippur itself. Okay, so here, so that's what it is. So then what is the core of Korvanas? Slicha's, I want to read one Gemara and then we'll really open it up. This Gemara is found in the Gemara Gemara at Adaf on the base. Who's ready? You're ready, okay, fine. Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to the mountain. He's at the top of the mountain the second time. And he said, and God says, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people like literally after I brought them out of the land of Egypt. And I, they crossed the sea and they saw the destruction of their enemy. We come and I give them the Torah and I spoke to them. know Hashem. And I literally said, spoke to them and what else? This is Hashem speaking to Jewish people. There's no way to get around the fact that God existed. And what did the Jewish people do? Exactly. So God's like, I'm done with these people. I'm, I'm wiping from the face of this earth. And Moshe goes to God and he says something we same say every fast day. Moshe says to him don't do that. No. Now I'm blanking on the
1: thing we New.
0: Why? How are we all blanking on this? Yeah. And God, God basically appears before Moshe, and Moshe bows down to him, and Moshe then says, Hashem, Hashem, Karach, and Vachan, and Rechap, Rechaz, Exactly, thank you. Okay, <laughs> good. And, I, and to make it worse, it's sitting here in front, I have, it, I have the word sitting here in front of me. Says the Gemara, Ba'yav HaShem Aponav, Ba'yikra. God, right before the front, appears when it says, Omer Rav Yochanan, Ilmole Mikra Kosov, has the Torah not said the following, had God not taught Moshe the following formulation, the following let's call it for now incantation, E F Omer, we would not be allowed to say. Had God not said this explicitly to the Jewish people, we would have no right to say it. What is it? of God, again, is a little anthropomorphic, but God wraps himself, whatever this means, and God wraps himself in a talis on a shalit which, by the way, Rabbi Salvation said this is the source that a shalit uh, shl- has to be wearing a tibor. Okay. The whole role of Moshe, and he showed Moshe Seder Tfilo, the following Tfilo, and what's that Tfiloh? Hashem, Hashem, Karachem, you the me Omidos. These, this, again, these, these words we keep in return to if you can argue that these are the essential words, the words that evoke the most the idea of this time of year, Hashem, Hashem, Karachem, V'chad, For God showed this to the Jewish people. Had He not showed it to Moshe, we would have no right to say this. And then He goes on, and He says, Kolzman, Anytime, this is God's Any anytime the Jewish people sin, keseder hazeh, do in front of me these things, as and say, Hashem, Hashem, vaani mochel lehem, and I will forgive them. This is the source. Pretty good source. This is God Himself. This isn't like some deduction, of some rabbi, in some latter-day book. Like this is God Himself in the book, in the Torah, saying, "Repeat, you give a Everything will work out." And obviously, the question is like, "What's going on here? What's going on here?" Like. It, it, it seems pretty easy. It's a, it's a very blunt statement. Like, here is a very easy way to get out. Oh, you, uh, you stole from someone or you you, you, uh, you did something wrong, you worshiped the you broke Shabbos, you name it. A trade? Don't worry, Like, that, I don't know, it doesn't sit well with me. Where's the work? Where's the hard work? Where's the perseverance? Like, it's almost like it's an abracadabra. I think that these are our concepts that we kind of find repulsive in a way. That there's an easy way out, that you can simply just say things. There's no tshuva here. There's no, there's no change here. It's literally saying a statement, which we all scream out because everyone else is screaming it out. And then we move on. How does that work? Why is it? And it clearly is such the focal point of not only Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, but of the entire, the entire El. And if you're Svarati, it's really the entire El. It's a focal point of this. It's a focal point of any time that to the Torah, these words, this formulation, yet why would it work? Why should it work? A question on that. Comment. comment on that. Okay, comment on that. So uh, I heard all this here that likens it to. So well, you're hear another here. Okay, so. Uh, we'll, 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 well, so we'll hear that afterwards. Yeah. Okay. I have a question, Evans. Okay. Yes. So, I'm not sure. I was thinking also why exactly we say it then. I don't know what, again, the, what the history of when that, when that got added and why it's added. I'm not sure. But we do, we do have, even within our, this just, is just off the top of my head, as I mentioned before, that there is some sort of kapara, even in the database of Migdash, that the karbonos the of Yomtif, the carbon musaf wasn't just the carbon we brought, oh, it's Yonze, bring a carbon, but it, there was some mm-hmm. sort of element of kapar that came with that as well. There are certain sins that it took the carbon of Rosh Chodesh, or took the carbon of Pesach to atone for. Qumran Shuas lists what exactly those are. They're kind of nuanced. Didn't
1: everything the Beit HaMeh does have some level of
0: atonement attached to it? So, that, there's a, that, again, this is going to take us far afield. I don't want to go that way, but that's my that's not, that's, that's not subject to debate. There are those who say yes, there those who say no. Something, there's absolutely no atonement whatsoever. for. Okay. So, just I want to point out two things about this Gemara before we open up the, uh, our, our, go to our three approaches. One is there are two words that are funny. One is, what would you have expected God to do? Show Moshe or tell Moshe? Who tell Moshe? Right? Here, Moshe. By the way, if he does. Here are the following things you can say, and then you get your it's him, the magical atonement. Yeah, the word of the Gemara is he showed Moshe. What's he showing? Why is it? Why? You know, I think the word we can pick up is why? What's he showing him? He, 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 exactly. So what? what there's some, there's some it's process. It's not just here to say
1: this, but okay. it's just what and it, how. It's, uh, Amazing. you know, the way uh, God is teaching uh, how to do it. It's like an I do, we do, you do.
0: <laughs> teacher
1: speaking. Teacher speak. the, right in that it was mo- it was basic modeling. It's not just pure the direction. We'll, so hold it's that. We're
0: exactly we're going to return to that in approach number three. I I, mm-hmm. I always I think misunderstood what was going on in this
1: passage and may have just learned that I'm learning it wrong. But I always read it as motion speaking, like God com- mm-hmm. presents himself, so to speak, in his in his to Moshe and Moshe spontaneously erupts in it like like experiencing uh, the Shina Moshe. Okay,
0: don't worry. Okay. If
1: you describe this plate all day long. But if you, you, can but you can see pass. it,
0: Okay, so bad. I think we're we're all we're all grasping at different elements of different parts of the answer. let's put it together. So approach number one comes from Rabbi Bitt. Rabbi Big has a book called In His Mercy. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It's in English. I have it in my office. I meant to bring it in. And it's a book he goes through the 13 attributes. He's a rabbi. He's from Brooklyn. He lives now in the Gush and he's a rabbi in, in the Gush. So he goes through, he breaks down each of the 13 attributes and tries to explain the meaning behind each of the words. But his approach is as follows. And again, I would say, I'm, in the way I, I chose to structure this, I'm going from... I guess most philosophical to, in my my eyes, to most practical. So this is what he reads, right? This is, you see right there. I believe that the fundamental basis of slichos, which as we know is Hashem Hashem Karach Mechanan, or if you will, the secret of slichos, is found in a concept that lies at the heart of our relationship with the Almighty, and of our actions as perceived by halacha and by Judaism generally. And what is that? There is a rule in Judaism the revelation of the divine glory in the world takes place upon a human chariot. The Almighty appears and bestows his Shrina upon the world to the extent to which human beings call to him. In other words, the Shrina resides in the space that human beings make for it. Regarding prayer, this means that the Almighty is revealed to the same degree to which people call out to him. So, step number one is saying as follows that God may be molecular in the God can fill the entire world. But ultimately, you know, as I, I think, I believe I said this in on my, on my Proverbs You know, the, the idea of the Kotzker, the Kotzker once said this, Tom, where's God? Where's God? God's everywhere, right? We know that Hashem is here, Hashem is there. Hashem is truly everywhere, right? We learned this from Uncle Mashi. And the Kotzker says, no, 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 Hashem is where you let him in. So if that's what it is, he's saying, so then what therefore is happening? Step number one is a recognition that Hashem is only where we let him in. And then he says, and actually, uh, and then he says as follows. Um, he says, and therefore... When we say the word Malchus, kingship, right? Hashem is, we say, the ancient saying declares that there is no king without a nation. When the people proclaim, proclaim long live the king, which is something we all, we all get used to saying again. Our mouths have been rusty from this for 70 years. They cannot not simply express their acknowledgement of this fact as though declaring to a wall that it is a wall. Long live the king is also a declaration of loyalty, which yields two related results. The nation accepts upon itself the yoke of kingship, and correspondingly the king's royal status is enhanced. The declaration affects kingship and does not merely attest to it. To so pronounce it's not simply descriptive, it's, con- it's constitutive. So what he's saying is as follows. I think he's saying a couple of things. Let's unpack it. Number one is, I think, a very key episode in life is that God may be everywhere, but if we don't let him in, then he's not going to be in our hearts. So something about the Hashem, Hashem, Karach, and Mechanan is about letting, creating a space within us to allow Hashem to enter into our hearts, to in, 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 into our lives. And how is that? So I, I'm going to I'm, might be a little stretching what he's saying. This is what I want to argue: that there's a big debate this, we're going to come to in the, this year's Sunday morning classes. What is the first mitzvah in the Torah? What's the first mitzvah in the Torah? First, first, first. Not, not the first mitzvah that's brought down in the Torah, but if you were to count, what's the what the first mitzvah? If you had to start. or to, like the first commandment. So I'll tell you this: well, <laughs> the Rambam's first mitzvah is. He goes. You can tell me. You know, Pruvu shows up. You know, with Adam already, and Bresmila shows up with Avram, and the Haskodesh Ad is the first mitzvah told to Jewish people explicitly. But he says, what's the first mitzvah? I'm your God. Foundational. You don't have that. You don't have anything, right? That's what it is. And you look. I, I brought it down to say for mitzvahs God. The Rambah Sorry. Savior for mitzvahs. The very first mitzvah to believe in God. Right? You wake up, you believe in God, ding, you got a mitzvah right away. It's one of the six mitzvahs that we constantly have in our day. It's, it's the first fundamental. Says the Says the, correct, says the Bahad, what's the very first mitzvah? A mitzvah is shown, the Bahad is Rav Moshe of Kutzi, one of the major, 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 major players in the Middle Ages, quoted by Tosvos, again, okay, and when it comes to halachi, he's a major player. What's the first mitzvah? So you'd expect him to say, you know, you know, Hashem, Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is Hey, right? right? We love Hashem. The first mitzvah is to believe that Torah we got from God is true. The Rambam didn't say that. This is, No, this is a b'hak.
1: This
0: is a b'hak. Now the question is, like, we all, great, all good and well, we, we believe the Torah. It's great to have a mitzvah to believe the Torah came, it came from God. But you, you skip the step. Like, we're, like, what about God? I don't believe in God? It's not a mitzvah to believe in God? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> right, right? Fair question. I think it's a fair question. So, what's the, what's the Yisoad? It's, it's the same so It says the Ramban and others as well. What Etat's about to say. That, ain't melech below am. You can't be a king without a people. That, it, as you said, it presupposes you have, in order to have to believe in the Torah, you have the foundation of it is believing in God. And that comes even before there's a mitzvah. Because, again, as much as we say God's the king, you can't be a king if you don't have a people. It's not a people. You can know there, there are all these people that, they, that will declare their, their home as autonomous land and they're the supreme ruler of that land. You can look around. You can Google them. Wikipedia page dedicated to them. What baffles me more the fa- than the fact that someone actually declares their house autonomous land and they're the leader is the fact someone compiled the list of it. Okay. <laughs> but that, that's, that's not for now. So... Eight times compiled the, the list. So again, but what are you? You so say you're the ruler, but if you, have, if you have no one, you're not the ruler. And perhaps what... What he's driving at here, what he's driving at here, where our vid is trying to tell us, is the, some, by saying Hashem, Hashem, Kol and Mechanan. Ultimately, what we're trying to instill within ourselves is the fact that you know, almost like the experience of it, the, the roar and the shul. Think about it that way, and the everyone together, we're, we're, we're declaring mouthless. Hashem is God, and before everything else, we need to declare the foundation. Hashem is God, Ain Mal and that is, and somehow that starts us on the process to chuva. Because that's so foundational, that's how we start letting God in. By saying, we're your people, now you can be God. And it's more than that, because what is Rosh Hashanah ultimately about? There's no no mention of Selichah Kapara and Rosh Hashanah. It's not a day of Kapara of atonement. Rosh Hashanah is fundamentally about Malchus, declaring God to be the king. Think about most of the Piyotah. Most of them are about declaring God to be the king. You can just flip through my. I would to mark it off in of my master, but uh, I did it. There's, just so many of them. I mean, you just think of what the Alain, al the Kavalecha. So much of of the of the third. That. Most That's correct. But even before that, what are we saying? There are gods who put your fear. It's all part of, and the Rav had a hold Malkas in that. It's all part of declaring God is God is the King, and therefore, ultimately, ultimately, that's what it is. That. The, the, this is a day. This, this is a day of malchus. This is a day of declaring God King, and part of the yugiel midos of perhaps the lead up is to remind us about this important principle that Hashem is the King. Um, I think we should just take a moment here, pause a for any questions, comments, thoughts. Okay. I didn't love this answer myself. I do not think it necessarily answered the question, but I think it's important just to talk about in terms of the idea of malchus. And if you think about it, most of not just the expliceless, but the piyotim throughout the day are about God being the king. What, so what's a pia? Anyone know? The concept pia? Where does the word piyot come from? It's not a Hebrew word. It's a Greek word. Poem, exactly. Poem. It's, it's poetry, which is why there are some who are very liked it, and there are some who are very opposed to it. The Catholics are poetry, it's not part of the actual davening, although it's ubiquitous. Everyone has it. Okay. Pia is so ubiquitous, we probably not not realize how often we say piyot, even in our regular davening. From Keladon, that's a Piyat. that that's a poetry that's added in later. In Shabbos, Tikata Shabbos, one of the one of the keys notes of Piyot is if it's there's the, the, the um uh, acrostic, correct. Yismach Moshe I just found that today's a Piyat. A lot of, which means by the way, if you to skip these parts and still say this one you'd be yotz, so you don't have to go back. So Piyat's found throughout it's, it's literally No, some across it. Some there there are there, are, There are, are, are. Um, Ashray being most prominent. But uh, Piyot is, is found everywhere, and I, saw, I heard a very nice thing when I was in Hawaii from Ray Adler, he said as follows, this is, uh, this is just a, a really nice show. Many people complain, myself maybe included, that we don't, I don't, you know, I don't identify, if you will, with the Slechos. I don't find them meaningful. The Hebrew, again, is very hard. I don't I don't have the time to sit down and really break my teeth on it. The concepts hard. much of Pia. It's actually allusions to to So if you know Tanakh really well, you'll start seeing, you'll start seeing it there. But like, I don't, I don't identify with it. So the guys, this is what Rabbi Adler from again Rav Adler said as follows. People find Kabbalah Shabbat is very meaningful. Why? So if you look at the words, a lot of the words, it's just a hillim. Like we start, our not we we were 40 40 years, we were running around the desert, we were kicked out. We God didn't want us in the land. Like it's not the most meaningful of words. But what is it? The fact that we grew up this way, that the, the music, that the, the, the entering Shabbos, enter it's like certain like the avirah of lechadodi of Kabbalah Shabbos, kind of almost it, it creates this, this warm feeling to it. Even though we're all honest, start reading the, the meaning, it's like eh, not the most meaningful of words. Not that that would be, always has meaningful words, but in terms of what the way you connect to Shabbos, right? Is that a fair statement to say? What is it? Because again, it's, it's we're we're able to connect to things sometimes beyond just the words. It's, it's just it's, it, there's a certain avirah, a certain atmosphere. It's that you know, it's, we know it's Yom HaDin, we know it's Rosh Hashanah, we know it's Yom Kippur, and because of that, and the tunes are familiar to us, and there's just the, everyone in shul and fasting and whatever it may be. We, you know, it's. That whole idea around it allows it to connect even if the, the words don't speak to us. Which I, think I, I don't think, and I think that's, that's, that's meaningful. That sometimes we say, it with words. Don't con- I don't connect to the words, so eh, forget it. No, I think there's, there's, you know, I'll give you the biggest, uh, I'm give you the giveaway. my cold Nidra Russia, but the biggest allusion to this, the biggest allusion, the biggest proof of this is Kol Nidre. We, I think everyone connects to Kol Nidre. No one's connected to the guy because I mean, you read, get up there and just read Colin Ezra. You know, imagine if I get up there and I read give you this here in English. I start reading, and, and again, I don't know how many hero, people here I've learned in the Doris. And you get really technical. It's like, you know, every band, the oath, the band the restrictions, the penalties, and every term that sets things out of bounds. I sound like I'm Charles Wineski in his law firm, <laughs> right? Imagine if you should get up there and start reading one of your boilerplate, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, lease agreements. But what is it? We still connect to it because the music behind it. It's the avirat, the, the Torah's being out. It's having to be the, the whole, you know, the 40 days leading up to it. There's something about it that allows it to connect, even though, let's be honest, these are probably the least uh, emotional words of the entire Yom Kippur experience. But, so, but couldn't
1: you say that about some contracts, uh, like using I mean, the law, could can, can you like say that about some contracts? A short contract, I will provide this good, you will pay me this much. It might be simple in words, but it might be the most ironclad contract. You I'm plan. not
0: talking about it being ironclad. My point I'm trying to make is it's not always about connecting to the words. We that want to connect to the words. It's one minute, minute, one minute. It's, it's not. A, but some no. These places they're important. There's a reason we call Nitro. I'm not knocking call Nitro. What I'm saying is sometimes it's not about connecting to the words. It's about the experience, and that itself is spiritual and meaningful. Yeah. That was true here. <laughs>
1: they talk about history, but it's true <laughs> when Rabbi <Robert> Akedsky <McCuskey> was Rabbi <sighs> like here. Oh, uh, 1972. We had a men's choir. We had several men who were accepting in that choir. And the whole room, from the bimlet to the stage, joined in Cold training singing it together because we grew up with it. We grew up with that tune, we grew up with that cancer. we grew up with that choir and when we lost it, it was so evident before we had lost it. something very, very, very meaningful. And when you hear other cancers, including here, mm-hmm. sing it differently, it's just not the same. Funny. In same words, but it's not
0: the same. Okay. When he started, rabbi
1: Bukowski used to start at the back. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And he did it the first year, and he Okay, let's move on. Okay, another qu- comments, thoughts, questions?
1: Like
0: the jazz singer, it's one of the. Colnitre has become one of the most iconic ever. That's just like the It jazz singer. happens to be. Rabbi felt the tune goes back to the base of Just something very powerful. And just, by the way, imagine what everyone felt that first year when there was no base in You know, they're probably. They're, they, they sound, you know, like in all the years, the. the, the, the we, that's something else we don't appreciate, which I probably should have scheduled this year. Maybe next year, the whole Avodah Kippur. We, we read through it because we don't appreciate it. We don't, but like, imagine that experience. If you want to get a real feel film what the Avodah Kippur is like. I don't know how good Hebrew is here. Go online, there's a song called I believe Avoda by Yishai Ruba. Ishai
1: Ruba!
0: Yo, yo, you he he sings it. Okay, very good. Okay, so that's approach number one. Approach number one is what are we doing? Why are we repeating things? Why how does it work? And the answer is because this is somehow gonna open up our hearts to the idea of Malchus, to crowning Hashem the king, and that is the only way that he can be king as we accept him, and that brings us to the path of tshuva. Let's take this here's another approach. This approach again, I think it's a little more Kabbalistic, and I'll be honest. I didn't totally see it in the Ben Yishchai, but Rebbe Aaron Lifayanski, who, when it comes to areas of, of more machshava and the more mystical, he's someone I turn to, so he really, uh, he gave a wonderful share <coughs> on this topic, so, and I think, again, if you like it, great. If you have trouble with it, hopefully something else here you enjoy, or at least the challenge was good. He says as follows. He jumps up on, he picks up on the words as we said, points out in the Gemara, in, the, in, the, in Rosh Hashanah, the Gemara, it says, Vaharoah, he showed. What's he showing? He wants to know. Why are he showing? Because I'm not going to even bother reading the any fight inside, the Banish fight for Baghdad. He says as follows. I'll give you an analogy. If I were to tell, if I were to tell Inbar, I drove from my house in Harvard Road to show, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've, you can imagine, you know what driving is, you know Harvard, you know my house. If I told you that I levitated last week to Florida, you kind of know that you're levitating, you... you you don't really know what that means. What does that mean, quantitative? If, if, if there's no way to relate to it, there's no way to know about it, the only way to actually tell you is to show you. There are some things that are beyond human comprehension because they just don't, don't exist. They're beyond reality, the only way to actually show it is to somehow demonstrate, actually demonstrate it with some sort of physical um, appearance. makes sense? Meaning if it's a concept that's beyond something we've ever related to, so then I have to show it to you. Think about colors for someone who's colorblind. If it's a concept it that you can't show it to them, but again, it's, there's some things that if we can't comprehend them because we never re- had anything to relate, no way to relate to it, because just in our lives, there's no way to relate to it, so then you have to sometimes show someone something that's beyond that. This is what he says. So he says as follows. He says, Hashem created a world that's based on, did, based on judgment. A world, he says, that's, that's, that's based on, let me make sure I get this right. A world that's just based of din, it's based off consequences, it's based off emits, it's based off truth. A world that's not based off truth, a world that's not based off din, a world that's based just off, let's say, love, is going to fall apart very quickly because there are some things in life that require justice. There are some things in life that are just, uh, that are false. There are some things in life that are wrong. There's some, you know, there's some people who just do very wrong things. And to just honestly say, rahman, Rahmanas, Rahmanas, rahmanus, rahmanus, ultimately will cause society and the world to fall apart. And therefore, he says, there is a limit. To a certain point, it's then. You do the wrong thing, then is there are consequences. Not because God is this angry man in heaven who you know who, with, a, with a pitchfork, way some of us may have conjured it up. No, it's a consequence. You act as a way, there's a consequence. And to the extent that, and, there, and there's no way to get around that. That's what it is. And that's the way Hashem created the world. That's the way Hashem is. But then, and that's the way the world always was. Hashem, you can't change that. You can't change the fact that there's din in this world, there's, there's judgment in this world, that's the way it is. Truth is truth, you can't alter the truth just because you feel, you know, you don't, you don't want it to be so. Again, in our, in our human interactions we can, but in reality, when you talk about the way the world is created, in the spiritual level, you can't alter truth. And therefore someone does the wrong thing, they deserve to be punished, that's what it is. Come as long Hashem until it's I'm giving you this idea of, you give me a meter to Hashem, Hashem, you know what it's going to do? So here's another analogy. Imagine a kid goes to his father and says, he does something wrong, the father says, I'm grounding you, I'm taking away your bike for the week. And the kid says, I'm sorry. And the father says, no, no, it was really bad. I don't know, when I was uh, 10 years old once, I got on my bike, I drove across the street without looking. And my father took away my bike for two weeks. Why? Because I had to learn my lesson. So what did I learn? Drive fast next time. No. So yeah. So have there's no ironclad, there, there's a reality here. Not changing my mind, you're not getting your bike back. And the kid comes to you and says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So you have to figure out, is he so sorry because he wants his bike back? What if you recognize, and we, you know, for those who have kids that age, you may recognize, there's a point where the kid really is sorry. And they really regret what they did. maybe we've all been there. We regret so much so, it's kind of like, okay, you know what? There was a punishment, and even though it hasn't been the whole week yet, but like, you learned your lesson, and therefore, you know, here's your bike back. And we've been there. That's not coming from a place, he says, of distorted judgment. That's where there's another level of rahmanas, of recognition of when someone really feels that contrite, and feels that remorseful about what they did, so then, Hashem will say, even though there is a kata of din and an MS in truth, I'm willing to change it. What is Yuki Yomita Sarachim? It's not some magical incantation. It's not just person is saying, you know, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, but rather that person is so sincere, and they realize they're momish, they're at the end of the rope, there's no other chance. Like, my, like this is you really feel it. You're standing in you the my thing, you're standing in front of God the judgment day, and I have no way out. Like, God, I really messed up. I really, really messed up. Whatever it may be. And whatever area of our life it was, I messed up. And we all have our own areas. And there's just nothing I can do about it. I tried, I tried I'm done. I messed up. And you say, Hashem, Hashem, and Mkanah, that was supposed to be a recognition. To God. With that sort of sincerity, so then that causes God not to say, Ah, eh, you know what, have your bike back, stop nudging me. But God says, I realize you're at the end of the, your rope. I realize you're that confronted, I realize you really need it. You're like that kid who really, really means it. You learned your lesson and therefore I'm going to forgive you. And that's the idea behind, behind in the, more, in the, more, in the more Kabbalistic way of how these, this Hashem, Hashem, Karat, kind of works. It's not just saying it. It's really, really meaning it. And this year, Koran, we know they have the three masters, they have... By the way, Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, they, the, they have the three masters. They have the, uh, two masters that Yom Kippur and Sunday came out with the Slichos. So, one of my Rebbe, Jacob J. Shafter, he wrote an introduction where he says as follows. And I'm not going to even read it inside now because I didn't realize how late it is. I don't even know what time we started. A little late. But he says, he says that there are two aspects to Judaism there's the formalistic halachic aspect, that there are certain things we have to do to live the halachic life. But then behind that, underlying that, undergirding that, is the fact that it's not just supposed to be an action we do, but it's supposed to really affect us. And there's no better proof to that, and Rabbi Salvedzik writes about this at length, than, than prayer. There's a formalistic aspect to prayer. We all say the same davening. But ultimately, what is prayer? Avodashvilei, the avoda, the, 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 which is an interesting word to use, but the work, the worship of the heart. Because the, all of the formalisms and, the, and the, the, the construct of the formalized prayer is supposed to bring us to a place of a certain recognition of in the heart, of I'm standing before Hashem, of I really need to be, I really need Hashem, of there's nothing else in my life that can help me but Hashem. That there's many areas of life, you want to use the, I guess, the more uh, halachic terminology, there's, um, there's the maisa, the actions we do, and then there's the kiyam, the, what it's supposed to accomplish. So, says, says uh, Rabbi uh, Rajid J- it's the same idea here. The mice might be Hashem Hashem Karachim Lechanim. The mice, the action might be wrapped in a and saying it again, over and over again. Think about again the, Neilo, or the, the a marathon, literally saying it, and then saying it, and saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it. But ultimately, the Kim is feeling it. The Kim is feeling the sense of, I really, really need this, that I have no other way out. So, that is approach number two. Questions, thoughts, comments, observations?
1: likening it to the parent and the child. I heard a slightly different version of basically very similar but as a parent when you're a child, when you put it on a consequence, not because you hold a grudge or you don't forgive your child for what you do, of course forgive them the second they ask, but you put consequence so they learn to do better. The second your child asks, will you forgive me, you're going to forgive your child. I thought most of young Kippur has mainly
0: been on double because you shuva, will always forgive you. If it's sincere. Okay. It's sincere. Right. Approach number three, are you ready? Last approach? Mm-hmm. We still up? Okay. Says the Levush, this is where writes about this also at length, and I saw it in Hare but he, and elsewhere. The Levush is Rav Mordechai Yafi. He was a contemporary of the Ramah. His intention originally was to write a book Inserting all the Ashkenazic practices into the Shulchan Aruch, and then came along there a did it before him. So he wrote another book, and he says that we have a concept that the Kaddish uh, Tiskabel, which is the Kaddish we say at the end of Shmonesrei after davening, actually that's why it obviously never happens. But if in the event you don't have a minion anymore when you finish when you get up to Kaddish Tiskabel, it still works if you had a minion for Shmonesrei. it's ultimately, it's about the Shmonesrei. Okay. So the Kaddish is God, the Skabel, that, that Kaddish, he says, normally don't say it, other than after Shmoneserim. Skenu, Mashmod, Lashen, Tluson, shapiros Tfilah. Because we mentioned, again, God, what is it, The Tskabel? God, accept my prayers. Which is, by the way, why Rav Shechter insists that the, uh, you should wear your towels over your head for that. Because it's part of the Tfilah of Shmoneserim. Okay. Vestam Tfilah, Ritzeh, Lomar Tfilah, right? And most Tfilah of Ritzoy of asking God for things, happens is right? He says something very interesting. How is the slichos set up? He says slichos in a way is set up like davening. Think about it. Slichos, He says we open with Ashra. which is what we do in, uh, which is what we do in sukkah Zimra. In fact, we may, we may have said this a couple months ago. In November, the entire point of sukkah Zimra may be according to some for just to say Ashram. Could be. So you say Ashram. Then he says, "I'm gonna." Uh, then he said, we'll skip the next line for a minute." Then he says, the we, we, we say or even at night. Interestingly, says the says the Lafush in the, in the he talks about this at length. Right, regular, think of regular mincha. You have Ashrei, Ashrei, and then. The question obviously is very nice, but we're missing something here. That doesn't compute. We have we have, we have which is like the Ikkar of Davin. Where is the Shmonesra by Slichos? Where to go? Like you can't. It's a bad analogy. I get it. There are some similarities, but if you're missing the Ikkar, it's not a good analogy. Right? Yeah, if, you have, if someone has a hamburger bun, a hamburger you know, bun and a hamburger, someone else just has two buns, you know, no analogy there. You're missing the hamburger. You're missing the meat here What's going on here?
1: Uh,
0: similar structure. We have, uh, you know, or, you know God, or praising God, so That's part of the top the No, it's the first, first paragraph, right after like you're saying, Okay. like you we're know, God is, you know, amazing. Okay, so that that, that seems what the LaVush is going to say. But I, I, I'm I i want to suggest something else. I'm gonna suggest something else. This is actually uh, dog tells of Orbe Simons mentioned last year the slipos, which I presume most of us probably don't necessarily remember. It's okay. Although I spoke to him today, he's like, I just want to put a new book about Yom Kipper and I one of the things I said in Linden I put it in the book. So this is as follows. There's a general question, I don't know if we discussed it this, this year, about what's with this whole idea of formalized prayer. If prayer is a bodish belay, It's supposed to come from the heart. So, like, why am I, what, what's going on with all these prayers that we're saying that we're instructed to say? You know, I get out and Chonin them Das. We all want to be smart. Baruch we all want money. But at a certain point, it's kind of like, Shiva Shabtayna, really? Do I want the judges to return? The first flowering of Dov, like, I don't care about flowers, and I'm not sure about Dov. Like, what's going on with all that? That's not, you can't, how do I connect to that? The so Rav Hirsch writes, he says, he says that perhaps don't look at the formalized tefillah as the things that, that are automatically going to give you passion. Rather, these are the things that you're supposed to care about. A certain recognition, yeah, well, there's parts. there's a, spont- there's a spontaneity of the tefillah where we can assert the tefillah that are bothering us right now, the things in our life that are bothering us right now. But the idea of formalized prayer. In what's ultimately a voter should the thing that's supposed to be most personal, is because if we don't have anything formalized, we're going to forget about the ikkar. We're going to forget about things that are very important. Because maybe right now in my life, I don't care about Yerushalayim, Yercho. I don't care about Yerushalayim. I'm happy sitting here in Linden, New Jersey. But I should care about it. And the fact that I say it three times a day is going to ultimately somehow remind me I should care about it. The idea of a formalized prayer is that it's, it's I think, uh, or my brand from my, my Roche Cola in Chicago once pointed out. Think of the tomato plant. The you know, only way for it to grow up is you have to put the guardrails. You put those, uh, that little uh, sort of like funny cage on top of it, which always pokes you you pull it out. You know what I'm talking about, right? So what, what's the idea? They, in order to shape it, that it grows properly, you have to have some sort of structure. And then it allows it to grow on its own. Each tomato plant is going to look different. The idea of formalized first, all those things are supposed to remind us these are things that are important. These are things we should be working on. These are things that should bother me, that I should be diving for, and I should at least want to want. And perhaps that's what's happened to me as well. And this is the last approach. What are, the, what are these Yudimil things? These are all mitas of Hashem that we have to learn to emulate and incorporate as part of our lives. That we have to say, Hashem is a Racham, I want to be Racham. Hashem is versatile, I want to be versatile. Hashem is Rach Chesed. He goes like, above and beyond to Chesed, so I have to do that as well. That we start breaking it down. This is what Messiah spoke about last year. He went through, he went through, you know, that people do bad things and God doesn't punish them right away. Sometimes it says, "No God waits generations upon us. God has a certain patience. Well, I have to learn to be patient, too. That, In a way, the same way that Shimon Ezra reminds us about as the, the, more the, the uh, physical things, or the larger national goals about what we want we should incorporate in our lives, the goals of the nat- nation in our lives. So the Uginal Midos are, is the Shimon for the individual for our Midos. When we say, maybe, you're right. Do I really care about patience? Look, okay, I'm not really, I'm good. No. If I, say, if I say it over and over and over again, God has patience, God has patience, God has patience, that reminds me that I have that patience as well. God is a rock, God is a rock, God is a rock, and I have to be a rock as well. If that's true. So it's incumbent upon us to actually sit down and figure out what are all these midos that Hashem is telling us in here, how do they actually, how, do they, how can we relate to them, and how do we right now relate to them in our own lives and find a way that we can actually do tshuva. And with that, so then, have moved beyond just being an incantation, but really being a reminder of: do tshuva, and here's the formula for how to do tshuva. Because if we just do tshuva on our own, we may forget about some important character traits. We have, sometimes the most important ones are the ones we, forget, that we have to work on, the ones we forget about, and we think we're fine about with. But if we say them over and over and over again, so ultimately that will bring us to a true tshuva, and with that, we should have a kesiva chasimah.